Well, look back in your family tree mm-hmm. and maybe like your grandparents were one of those things that I listed. Maybe they had low emotional intelligence or a medical issue or a mental health issue or an addiction. And so maybe the parents' generation, like they're not going to be an alcoholic mm-hmm. or they manage their mental health issue. But normally families don't think about managing the codependent half of it. So it's like you manage the issue itself, but not the effects of the issue, which is one of those is codependency Mm -hmm. among a bunch of others. But I talk about that one. Mm -hmm. And so you could still have codependency a few generations later if there was a issue with, you know, one of those four or five things that I talked about because the family just, it just became part of like how the family functioned Mm -hmm. and no one recognizes it as an issue. Welcome, Michelle Abraham, your host here, and today I am joined by not only a podcaster, but an expert in overcoming codependency, both personally and professionally. I'm joined today by Vanessa Grace. She's a life coach and licensed therapist, and her expertise, kind heart, and a dash of light humor helps her clients heal the life experiences and trauma that created codependency to begin with. So Vanessa is absolutely amazing. Her podcast, Soul Amplified, I highly recommend you go and check it out. And Vanessa, I'm so super excited to have you here today. Your show and your message and your mission is a beautiful mix of like practical mental health practicalities, spiritual practices and spiritual things added to it. And you have a heart of gold. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Hi, you're welcome. It's been a long time coming. We met sometime last year and I've been wanting to get you on this show since then. So, so glad we finally have the opportunity to do so. So why don't you dive in and just tell us like your why behind the Soul Amplified podcast. We have a, a common love for the word Amplify. So <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, we do have the common love for Amplify. <laughs> I feel like this is such a big answer because it encompasses so many parts of myself that kind of um, gather together these strands into the crescendo of Soul Amplified, my business and my podcast. So there's a long history of me working in social work and mental health, ending up starting my own private practice in, as a mental health therapist, which was never the plan, but ended up being beautiful and loving it, right? And so I learned a lot of really amazing, important skills along the way. And then within that process, I discovered that I was codependent about five-ish years ago, four-ish years ago. I kind of can't tell now. It kind of bleeds together. And then that was like this moment for me where I was like, oh crap, something is wrong. And I went through this whole process of, well, okay, I went to group counseling and I went to individual counseling. It's the same therapist that did the group and individual and spent over two years healing my codependency. And it was a transformative experience for me because I knew what codependency was. Like they teach you that in school, but really in the end, I had no freaking clue what it really was. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh crap, I'm doing it. And so that is part of, you know, how I started my podcast. But then also I had kind of tandeming with that. I started my own spiritual awakening. And in retrospect, I've noticed that that is synchronized with a lot of spiritual awakenings that a lot of other people Mm -hmm. have had, right? Because we're all kind of going through that right now. And so my spiritual awakening happened you know, when I was about 32 and got into tarot. And so it just kept growing and growing and growing and totally shifting my belief systems 
And those two things, codependency and healing that, and my spiritual growth began intersecting. And then that's when I started also being obsessed with listening to other people's podcasts. And so then we bring in that strand and I was like binging these podcasts on spirituality and mindset. And they were just like opening my mind up to all these new possibilities. And I was also like wanting to like break into like a new level with my own business where I would um, like help people far and wide on the internet and create this evergreen coaching program basically that I have now, which is called the People Pleaser Recovery Roadmap, where I help women overcome codependency because that's the thing I do now. And so, you know, all these things were coming together. And then I realized, oh, oh my God, I could have a podcast. It was like this moment where this light flicked on inside of me and it was like, I could have a podcast. I'm a really good public speaker. I've been doing public speaking my whole life because I was raised in church in a small congregation where they give you a microphone when you're five to read a scripture up front. So I'm totally used to this. I've been doing this forever. And I had this moment where I was on this really tiny little podcast. My gosh, I don't even remember the name of it now. I was interviewed for like 10 or 15 minutes and I was like, oh my God, I can do this. I can have my very own podcast. And it was so exciting to think that I could share what I had learned and experienced and the intersection of like mental health and spirituality and how understanding spirituality and going deeper than mental health can bring you in these ways about like how energy works and that I could utilize that to help people who were ready for it to like just go even deeper into understanding themselves in all the different ways that codependency affects people. And that is why I started my podcast. Mm, and it, I love that. <laughs> so it, was lost strands. it was lost strands, right? <laughs> it was, it was like, and you said that so beautifully at the beginning, like the crescendo of all the different strands that are woven together. And it's like, Oh, that was really nicely said. And then that story just definitely, see, you can see the intersections between all those things. So yeah. for our listeners that are listening and maybe, and you're right, so it's the, the spiritual awakenings are happening left and right and center and all over the place. And we are so lucky at FFIU to be magnetized or magnetizing those people that are out there making such a big difference using their spiritual gifts and all that. It's just been amazing to see unfold over podcasts and, and coaching programs and things like that. It's just like what the world needs right now. So it's so cool. I love what you're uh, doing with your Soul Amplify podcast. I think it's really a unique twist on, on the spirituality and mental health aspects. So for our listeners who maybe don't understand or don't maybe don't know exactly like you said, you know, like you know what codependency is, but you don't really know what it is. Can you talk, talk to us a little bit about that? Take us there. Yes, definitely. So there is kind of the general assumption about the definition of codependency like in society, and it's a little bit wrong. And I'm just going to admit that I was one of those people too, so that I have no judgment towards you. It's just, why in the world would you know what it is? Like, why, right? So people often assume that codependency is meaning that you are dependent on another person in terms of like you can't be happy unless you're with them or you would fall apart if they weren't a part of your life and you like it's almost like you don't have a self without them and that is that is actually an accurate description of it but it only encompasses a small percentage of it it is much more vast and deep than that and so if that's the narrow view that you hold of it again 
no blame on you because why would you know this? Then you would miss out all the other aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm going to broaden them now for or you. Or maybe like not realize that, you know, that you are codependent <laughs> until you like look at all the whole picture, right? Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. I'm sure like, you know, like I'm, you know, I'm sure not a lot of people are like, I'm definitely codependent on this person or, you know, and is it always a person or another person or is it going to be something different if it's a substance or something innate? So I think of codependency as relationship-based between mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, other people may use the definition differently, but I doubt that they're mental health people. Right. I, like, I don't have a concept if it wasn't with a person. Right. So like, I, my inability I, to start a morning without coffee or something is not codependent on coffee. No, that is not the way that I am talking about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's not the way that I talk about it at all. It's about a relationship between mm-hmm. people and how we function with psychology. Mm-hmm. So codependency, uh, I'm going to use some other terminology that people might understand. So codependency involves people pleasing. Mm-hmm. It involves enabling. Mm-hmm. It involves self-esteem issues. Mm-hmm. It involves self-sacrifice. It involves attempting to fix other people. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to fix them. Like someone might get a boyfriend and be like, they're almost perfect. And then <laughs> I'm going to change the last 5% of them. And then they're going to be fucking amazing. You know that. <laughs> the and end then, and then we'll be happy. And then when this happens. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then there's, oh, you know, just imagine the 30 year old guy who lives in his mom's basement. Mm-hmm. The mom is codependent because she is enabling that mm-hmm. son to not do what he needs to do. Mm-hmm. to become an adult. Mm. And so she is assisting him to maintain exactly where he is mm. because she can't tolerate the pain of watching him fall on his face. And so she will go, well, he just needs a little bit more of this. Well, geez, he just needs a chance over here. And, you know, constantly making excuses for people. I feel like people who are codependent have, have this need to save people. You know, like if you've known someone who just kind of always has a person under their wing (laughs) that they're mentoring, but it's not just they're mentoring them. It's like they're trying to save them. Like it's almost like they're a project. Mm -hmm. Like you are my project. I'm going to help make you a better person. Mm -hmm. But then if that person doesn't get quote unquote fixed or like rise to the level that the codependent person had hoped they would rise to like, Oh, I have this great idea of who you're going to be. And then if they don't make it there, um, the codependent person would take that personally or like there's something wrong with me right. and they might get depressed or sad or, you know, do whatever people do when they're bummed about their failure. Mm-hmm. And they would take it as a personal failure that they did not save this other person. And there can be a lot of resentment in codependency mm-hmm. because of the expectation that other people will do what you want them to do. Like, oh, I gave you an example. I'm going to help you with this. You didn't ask for it. But here, I did it for you. Aren't you super excited and happy? And then the other person's like, but I didn't want that. So I'm not going to do it. And then you're like, I'm so mad at you. You don't appreciate me. Now I resent you. And so now there's all this resentment. The other person didn't ask for it. You invented the whole thing in your head. You decided they needed a certain thing. You were going to fix it. And now there's resentment. Maybe, maybe you yell at them like the example I just gave, but maybe you hold the resentment inside and it just festers and builds. Mm. And then that cycle keeps happening with that same person 
because you keep trying to like offer them great things to fix them and they keep not taking them. So it's layer upon layer upon layer of resentment. And so as I'm giving these words, like mm-hmm. super fixer and enabler and people pleaser and ooh, even doormat. Doormat mm-hmm. is a great one to describe an element of codependency. Can you start to see? Yeah. Just fix it like, wow, there's so many aspects of it. And so right. many people didn't even yes. realize like, so, like people pleasing or doormat or, you know, super fixer like those, I wouldn't have actually like thought of them as being codependent. So yeah, interesting. Yes, to use the strands analogy again of all of the little strands coming together, mm-hmm. there are so many pieces to it that it's hard to see the whole picture mm-hmm. of what it could encompass. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about where the codependency comes from and why it can become so vast in the way that I'm mm-hmm. talking about. Codependency really comes from stuff going a little bit awry in childhood mm-hmm. or stuff going a little bit awry in your parents' childhood. And so let me talk about what that means. So that could mean that you were raised by a person who was an addict. Mm -hmm. And so they weren't doing what they needed to do to be an adult. And so you or the other adult in the home had to step in and fix stuff. Mm -hmm. And so you got used to fixing stuff for other people. And so now you don't know that it's weird to overstep and fix things for other people. Yeah, that's just the way you think it is, right? It, yeah. It's just, that's normal. That's like mm-hmm. breathing air. Why wouldn't you do that? That's the way you love someone. If I don't fix it, I don't love them. <gasps> I can't have them think. And then you just go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so it could be you were raised by an addict. It could be you were raised by an emotionally immature parent. There is this term in mental health called emotional intelligence. It's not about how smart you are. It's about a person's ability to be aware they're having an emotion, mm-hmm. acknowledge the emotion, label the emotion, identify where the emotion came from and how it got there, and how to solve the th- reason that caused the emotion. And that's a lot of steps to handle an emotion. So if you have an emotionally immature parent who has a low emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. they can't even identify that they have an emotion. They're not doing the rest of those steps. I don't know how many I just said. Was it like six steps? steps. And so if they're not doing all of that, they're probably creating some level of chaos because they're not managing their emotions and you're a kid. And so guess what? There's chaos even if like the family was like really normal, but then there's like this weird sideways, like, oh, mom's having a big emotion again. So I guess we all have to deal with the consequences of mom not managing her emotions. And so it's yet again, another way where you are picking up someone else's emotional mess. Mm. So we've got addict parents. We got parents that are maybe really awesome people, but don't know how to handle emotions. Mm -hmm. And then if there's a parent who has a mental health issue and they're not managing it, Mm -hmm. like they're not on medication, they're not in therapy, they're not admitting that they have a problem. (laughs) So then even, even if it's that like low level, like I should probably get meds for anxiety from my doctor, but I'm not going to. Right. Or like, I'm sure a lot of moms, like after having giving birth in their hormones or a mess or postpartum depression or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so unmanaged mental health can cause all the things I just talked about. I think you're starting mm-hmm. to see the pattern here. Yep. Totally. And then, <laughs> and then a lifelong medical issue or even a period of time where there's a medical issue, mm-hmm. even if the person is managing it, the adult is managing it. Sometimes there's so much going on. The kid has to help. Mm. Or if it's an unmanaged medical issue, then they're helping even more. 
Right. You know, it's now, now there's a problem and the other adult in the home or the kids are helping to fix it. Mm-hmm. And if people are unaware that they're basically expecting their children to do more than their children are supposed to do, they are creating codependency in their children. And these are the ways in which codependency happens and gets instilled in childhood and then becomes all those descriptions that I just gave about what codependent behavior is. Mm-hmm. Now, if you didn't experience any of that in your childhood, but mm-hmm. you're still feeling like, uh, I kind of sound a little codependent based on what Vanessa said, mm-hmm. well, look back in your family tree mm-hmm. and maybe like your grandparents were one of those things that I listed. Maybe they had low emotional intelligence or a medical issue or a mental health issue or an addiction. And so maybe the parents' generation like healed, you know, they're not going to be an alcoholic mm-hmm. or they manage their mental health issue. But normally families don't think about managing the codependent half of it. So it's like you manage the issue itself, but not the effects of the issue, which is one of those is codependency Mm -hmm. among a bunch of others. But I talk about that one. Mm -hmm. And so you could still have codependency a few generations later if there was an issue with, you know, one of those four or five things that I talked about because the family just... It just became part of like how the family functioned Mm -hmm. and no one recognizes it as an issue. And so this is what codependency is and how it gets started. And do you feel like there's like an underestimated amount of codependency going on out there? Like people that are not even aware of it, that is a problem. And, or do you think like, where is it like among the, in the mental, in the mental health industry? So yes, I feel like it is very unaware in our society like truth speaking right now, I can overhear a conversation and tell if there's an element of codependency happening. Mm. And I go, oh, that person might be codependent. Not like assuming that they are, but like, oh, they're enabling right now. Or, oh, they're like totally being passive aggressive and that could lead to blah, 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 blah. And if they do that everywhere in their life, they could be codependent. Or maybe it's just this moment. I see it in TV shows. (laughs) I was just watching Gilmore Girls for anyone who loves Gilmore Girls. Mm. And there was a situation happening. I'm like, oh, Luke Danes owns the diner is being totally codependent with his sister right now. And his nephew, who's usually a jackass, is actually totally right. Go Jesse. He has really good boundaries right now. I mean, he looks like a dick, but he's holding his boundaries. <laughs> I know it's so funny because as you were explaining some of those situations, I was like, there's a lot of messed up families on TV <laughs> that we've all oh, learned from or seen. Well, TV has to be messed up or else it, wouldn't <laughs> it has to grab our attention. That's the reason. Why it's yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. I, love I love picking apart TV shows um, to find codependency in them. I just see it everywhere now. <laughs> now, do you think that was probably like the writer that was like writing that in is maybe like had some codependency and they put that in there? Or <laughs> well, I think that people don't like, okay, so just how I said enabling and people pleasing and mm-hmm. fixing are all traits that are part of codependency Mm -hmm. understand the elements of codependency they just don't realize that they're part of a collective whole and that they all go together Mm. and that they're related to each other and can you be one of those without being codependent or like you know can you be a people pleaser maybe but not uh not be codependent or that they all go together i feel like they all go together and it really depends on what happened in childhood. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it depends on the why behind Mm -hmm. the people pleasing, how often the people pleasing Mm -hmm. occurs. And if there is a deeper root about around like um, Mm self-worth and value of self, um, because there's often, you know, a deeper root of, I will be rejected if I don't do this. 
behind it. Now, on the surface level, people are not initially going to see that. Sometimes it takes a while to realize that Mm -hmm. there's like that embedded fear in us a few layers down. Mm -hmm. So someone could have mild codependency or just kind of have (laughs) flare-ups. Sometimes we just have, like, I still have flare-ups. I've been, you know, I've been through my stuff and am teaching Mm -hmm. it, but I still have moments where I'm like, oh crap, did I just think that? Oh crap, did I just do that? (laughs) But you're aware of it now. That's the first step. (laughs) Right. And in terms of the mental health world, as a mental health professional myself, in retrospect, I would look back, you know, after I had learned about codependency and healed mine and be going, there's like five, six clients I can think of that we weren't making progress because they were codependent and I didn't know how to help them. Mm. And so as a mental health therapist who really didn't understand it, Mm -hmm. I wonder how many more other therapists don't understand it, but there are literally thousands of specialties in mental health. Mm -hmm. And so there's stuff that I don't know, you know, but that other people do. So that's why you, okay, everybody, you should actually really shop for your therapist. You should ask them questions and interview them and make sure that they are a person that you like (laughs) and that they actually do the stuff that you need and not just pick the first person because it might not be a good fit. And (laughs) having a good fit for your therapist is literally the most important thing for you making progress in therapy. There's my little... You got, can't just, you, can, you know, got to do some dating first before you get yes. into a relationship. Interview your therapist before you go to them. Yeah. Well, and I was just thinking, like, as you were mentioning a lot of those other characteristics, I was like, oh my gosh, like the entrepreneurial journey for people. Like I could see how you could be very codependent on like the results your clients are getting or like, you know, relationships that you have, or especially in wellness, I used to be in the wellness industry, like depending on the results people were getting to whether or not you were validating your worth, right? Like that's very common. (laughs) Yes. I love the intersection of codependency in business and money. (laughs) Um, Exactly. Because it happens. And I actually really love helping women figure out how not being codependent can help them do better in business. Mm because they're setting boundaries and they're advocating for what they really want. And they're saying, I actually want to do this in my business, not that. And when they finally admit what they actually want and that they're going to tell their dad, no, I'm not going to do my business your way or, you know, whoever it is, (laughs) then they actually get more excited and go more into it. And because they were finally able to say no to the thing over there that Mm -hmm. everyone was telling them they should do and set that boundary because that's one of the ways to heal codependency is to set boundaries. When they finally in their business say no to the things they don't want, they finally have the energy and the excitement to say yes to what they do want. Yeah. And, and I, I think they have much more respect to you from their clients as well when they've got those boundaries. Like I feel like uh, we just had, I just had this conversation with someone about when your clients feel more confident in what you're doing, when you're setting more specific boundaries and more, you know, specific conversations like around based around their results and their in your relationship working with them. So yeah, I can see that creep. I know I can admit that creeping into creeping into my business life too. Just yes. that people pleasing thing. You know, of course you want to have a good business. You want to be able to support people in that way, but being dependent on their success is not a good way of doing it. Obviously. Yeah. And yeah. there could be this fear in business that, well, if I don't do everything to help them, what if they fail and then they blame me and they're not happy with services, but then that burns you out. Yeah. And so totally. you cannot give everything to them. You have to trust them to do their own work at their own pace and you know, whatever business model you have. And if they're not ready to go there, then you can just be with them where they're at or say, well, maybe 
I'm not a good fit for you right now. When you're ready, you can come back to me. I'm like totally open to that. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on, you know, the boundaries around what your business mm-hmm. does, Yeah. but you can't be everything for everybody and you have more for yourself if you don't give it all the way. Mm-hmm. And then you're not like living on fumes. Yeah. yeah. Being the like self-sacrificing part of it too, right? Like, holy yeah. smokes. Yeah. I can see how it comes into so many different layers and just so many different aspects of relationships in your life, right? <laughs> oh my God. Spider web in front of my face every day where I'm like linking things for people. Yeah. Here we thought codependency is this one thing, <laughs> but no, it's really a lot of different things. So it's really interesting. What did yeah. you find? What did you find like as far as like your spiritual practices go that was help most helpful to you when you were going through this and what you've found has been most helpful for your listeners too, um, sharing with them and, and soul amplified what kind of spiritual practices are really the most interesting that you found. So I really like thinking about just the concept of energy mm-hmm. and how things work and how you could, because of the way that you are thinking as when you're in a codependent mindset, there can kind of be this desperation Mm -hmm. that can exist there. And so if you're using like the law of attraction with energy and that Mm -hmm. concept with the mindset of the desperation of codependency, you can be drawing people to Mm -hmm. you that are basically like under adulting. They're not doing all the stuff they should do. Mm-hmm. And because you're so excited to help everybody to prove your worth, you're attracting the people to you that are allowing you to do extra work for their life. Mm-hmm. And if you think about that through an energetic lens, rather than just a mental health lens, it allows you to go deeper into another way to perceive the situation to help yourself. Okay, how do I need to change my mindset to use the law of attraction to help me attract people that don't expect me to overserve them mm-hmm. so that I don't have to get my worth through overserving? And then of course, how do I get my worth. And then we can bring in spiritual practices of, I have innate worth because I've made of light and I'm from the universe and God loves me. So when we can look at that and think that I have worth just because I am rather than because of what I do. Hmm. And so much of codependency is about, I have to earn my keep. And what if I will be rejected if I don't earn my keep? No, you are worthy just because you are here. So we can look at that concept of all people are worth just because you are a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love looking at it just when you just bring that up, it totally shifts people's perspective and they're like, say what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that. That was really good. Yeah. It's not a perspective you hear a lot of people talk about, right? Like it's not something, you know, it's not something that you hear that worth the self-worth related to like you being an energy energy that's here on the earth. God loves you. You're light. Like you're enough because you're here. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you know, love people like that striving for more, right? The striving for more and acceptance and all that. Like, I think I do. What, what do you think about like culture and society? Is that created it really enabling that codependency of where we like how we how we live our really, lives? There are definitely aspects of the American culture and society because mm-hmm. that's where I live. So that's kind of the only one I feel like. I can validly talk about. Okay, we kind of like the North American, right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, confession time. I actually have Canadian citizenship now because my mom is Canadian. And awesome. so I'm like super proud that I finally got my Canadian citizenship. Oh, no better time than now to move here. <laughs> but I have never lived in Canada. So I have to admit that too, but I really love Canada. So, but I will talk about North America perspective. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like North America has a lot of culture of, well, if, 
like in families, it's kind of like if someone has extra needs, well, I'll be really, really thankful as a family member if like, say my cousin goes and takes care of my aunt rather than me having to do it because now I don't have to deal with it. And so maybe she's got a health issue and you're like working really hard as my cousin to take care of her. Great. You can just keep over helping her and then I don't have to do it. And it's almost like people can martyr themselves to a worthy cause. And then we clap because we didn't want to have to do it. And so that person who is martyring themselves for a situation, they could be wanting the applause from it, but mm-hmm. now they're not living their own life either. Right. I was thinking like, you know, uh, in the West Coast here, we have this like thing that's like almost like a competition. People have to be like, I did this and this and this on the weekend. I hate the gross grind. I did this, I did this, the, you know, like it's almost like you got to do more to tell us to get the applaud from everyone that, oh, wow, you did so much this weekend. Or it's like a so backwards or weird <laughs> how it should be right like, like you're applauded for doing more and being more it's like <laughs> well our sis okay definitely american society you can speak for canadians but like it's all about how much can you achieve yeah and i know we're shifting out of that now and like that's kind of a little bit of an old way but it's still so prevalent and i like hello i'm a business owner and i'm like i'm gonna make six figures and like i'm in it and then i'm trying to like be in it but feminine Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna try and flow to my six six thousand. You're not six thousand. Six um six, six figures. figures yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think a lot of what you're saying with the codependency stuff and the energy around it that will allow you to be more fem- and more in your feminine energy. Yeah. So actually, if you are feeling codependent, it's almost like you're in a wounded place with your feminine energy rather than in a divine place. Mm. And so it's like the desperation for love is mm-hmm. part of being wounded feminine and codependency is part of that. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's all related, right? Wow. Yeah. And that's a whole other thing to talk that's about. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> that's like a little tidbit. <laughs> yeah, no, that's amazing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Learned a lot about codependency today. <laughs> Thank you. And um, I just love like, you know, just I love the intertwining of the spirituality too because uh, it's just, I think, an important piece that more and more of us are including in our business and including in our everyday life and just the power within it to make those small shifts in our in our own lives uh, it's just incredible. So uh, Vanessa, I want to thank you for joining us today. It's been so much fun getting to know you and your Soul Amplified podcast. Guys, make sure you go check it out. Now, where else can we work with you, find out more about you? Yes, definitely. So I'm on Instagram, which is at Soul Amplified. And then the podcast is the Soul Amplified podcast. I also have a new workbook coming out on the 18th of September. Yeah. And it is called the Codependence Holiday Planner, which is a super funny name, but super relevant. So it's over 30 pages long and it's all about how to help you people please less. Basically do all the stuff less that I just said with your holidays, because women tend to do everything for everyone at the holidays and then they exhaust themselves and then they're like, but wait, I didn't really have the fun I wanted to have. (laughs) And so this workbook takes you through step-by-step. What do you actually want? What are you doing because people expect it from you? What are you doing just because it's tradition, but you hate it? (laughs) And there's so many fun worksheets and journalings. And anyway, so that's going to launch on September 18th. And it is $25 and you can get it at soulamplified.org slash holiday 
planner. Cool. Super awesome. I'm really excited about it. And just in time for two big holidays coming up in the fall and in winter. So that's great. Because as you're saying that, I'm like, oh yeah, so many people like go dinner after dinner or do this or do that. Or like they have to shop for themselves because their husband won't or, you know, whatever it is. Doing so many things. Oh my gosh. I, I made this almost, okay. I'm going to take like two more minutes. So there was an experience that I had when I was going through my codependency healing Mm -hmm. in my um, codependency therapy group. And he was the therapist. He was very helpful with helping us think through the holidays. And I had this two or three week struggle of deciding whether or not I was going to send out Christmas cards and make a Christmas letter like I always do. And it took me like three weeks to decide to not do it because I was so attached to the adoration that I would get from doing it and that I love being creative and I couldn't let myself not do it, even though I needed to not do it to feel fucking sane. Mm. And once I decided to not do it, all this stress went away. I was able to handle the holiday, even though it wasn't a great holiday for me because like I was in therapy, it wasn't awesome, but I managed it way better because I hadn't put this stress on myself. That is the reason I made this planner. I want all of you to have the relief of having the holiday you actually want and actually like enjoying yourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Doing what yeah. you want to do. And I think as our families grow too, there's expectations. And then bring it back to your, your little unit. What do, what makes sense for our little unit? Not everybody yes. and everybody. Yeah, like the people <laughs> live in your house or that are like you birth, you yeah. know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Awesome. You guys go check it out. So that was that soulamplified.org forward slash holiday holiday planner. planner. Yes. No holiday planner. Holiday planner. Yes. Awesome. So grateful for you, Vanessa, and all the work that you're doing out there in the world. And uh, guys, make sure you go check out the Soul Amplified podcast. And until next time, Vanessa, so great chatting with you. And I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Okay, so and so finally, make sure you go check out everything that Vanessa just said. Get her holiday planner. And can't wait to see you again next week. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.